Hello and welcome to the Harvard EdCast, a series of conversations with thought leaders in the field of education from across the country and around the world. I'm your host, Matt Weber, and today we're going to talk about the talk. Making Care in Common's new report on how adults can promote young people's healthy relationships and prevent misogyny and sexual harassment. Here with the lead author, HGSC's beloved Rick Weisbord. Welcome to the iCast again. Well, thank you, Matt. It's great to be here. Rick, you're one of the few people who has both been guest and co-host, so it's always a pleasure to have you talking about what is a really fascinating multi-year research project that debunks a few myths out there. And this this was surprising to me, too. As a 33-year-old, many friends and cousins who are adolescents, there's this pervasiveness in this sense that the, the whole world, everyone, is hooking up. The hookup culture, hooking up is happening everywhere, and, and your report takes a look at it and says maybe maybe that's just not the case. A little bit about some of these these myths debunked. Yeah, I, I think you know people tend to, of all ages when we ask eighteen to twenty five year olds, but also we more informally ask senior citizens when we ask high school students wildly overestimate the size of the hookup culture. Um, you know, they, they tend to think that 60 or 70% of young people are hooking up, meaning having some kind of sexual contact frequently. Um, but the number is just much smaller than that. I mean, the number of people who are dating casually, having um, casual sexual contact between the ages of 18 and 25 is about 8%. And in, on college campuses, you know, it looks like about 10 to 15% of college students are really hooking up a lot. Um, and and the and there's a cost to these misperceptions because a lot of young people feel like there's something wrong with them or they're defective because they're out of step with their peers, and in fact, you know, the young people who are not having a lot of sex um, are the norm, not um, the young people who are having a lot of sex, and and it can make people who are not having sex feel pressure to have sex when they're not interested, or they're not ready. Um, I don't want to batter you with statistics, but just one more, and that's that. The number of high school students are, who are graduating as, as virgins has increased substantially over the last 15 or 20 years. So it's not like young people are having more sex every year. It looks like they're having less sex over the last 15 years. So this almost feels counterintuitive or countercultural to the, what's sort of out in the ethos, but this obsession with the hookup culture really kind of obscures a couple things. Now that we know that not everyone's hooking up as much as possible or as much as we think they are, there's two bigger issues that young people appear to be struggling with. And the report looks at this in a, in a very uh, intelligent way. Forming and maintaining healthy romantic relationships and dealing with widespread misogyny and sexual harassment. Let's focus on the first one. The forming and maintaining healthy romantic relationships, that's probably not part of the talk, if you will, and it's probably should be, and it's really, really important. I don't remember my parents sitting me down going, Matt, let's talk about love. Well, that's that's exactly right. And we, you know, we I think we fuss a lot about the sex talk and whether to have the sex talk um, with our kids. Um, and, you know, the reality is, I mean, a lot of parents aren't having that talk. Um, and it's certainly an important talk. But in many ways, the more important talk is the love talk. I mean, how do you figure out, um, first of all, what love is? You know, how do you distinguish between love and attraction and infatuation? Um, but also, how do you begin a relationship with somebody else that can really be lasting? How do you have a mature relationship? And these are things that young people are very interested in. You know, Freud said there are two things that are most important in life. One is work, the other is love. We have huge industries that are preparing young people for work. We do almost nothing to prepare them for love. So part of the case that we're making is that young people are anxious about this. 
a much more significant problem in a way than the hookup culture. They want guidance about this. About 70% say they want some form of guidance about an emotional aspect, about the emotional aspects of starting and maintaining a romantic relationship. And, you know, as you said, it's just really important that we begin to um, share wisdom about this and provide guidance. And in the survey data, it was interesting to see that where the guidance comes from. There's this expectation, well, the parents, right? But then even in the school context, there's still a large number of students who said, I'd like to learn something about this in school. Is there a preferable place to learn about this? And how do, you know, this is an education podcast. How can educators out there listening, parents out there listening, kind of frame some of these love conversations and kind of in what, what effective way? Yeah, so um, these, are great, these are great questions. So, you know, part of the problem is sex education in the country, and sex education is typically taught by people who are untrained and unsupported and have little status, and they're doing it at high risk. Um, because of the, the treacherousness, of, treacherousness of this topic. Um, and so part of the issue is, and they're also tending to either teach abstinence or disaster prevention, how not to get pregnant or STDs. So I think part of the issue is how do you train, better train and support these folks for doing this incredibly profound work, which is teaching people about sexuality and relationships. Um, and part of it is expanding their scope. And I actually think talk about relationships, about healthy relationships, about care and respect and reciprocity in relationships is going to be much less controversial than a lot of other topics around sexuality, like, like pleasure, um, which are also important, but are, you know, are not going to fly in many communities around the country. Um, so you know, part of it is, I think, the work with sex educators, but the other is then, you know, I think in, you know, in most schools when we talk to kids, there is often one adult, one teacher or, or sport coach or somebody that they will talk to about this. But you might want to check in kids and, and make sure they have an adult that they, can talk in, that they can talk to about these issues. And the adults who they are talking to, you might want to, you know, there are online resources. We have guidelines. There are other guidelines. That you, might, you might want to give them access to sort of resources and, and guidelines for talking to young people about these issues. Yeah, I think a lot of people are nervous. You know, I just had a, a three-month-old. I have a three-month-old daughter. I'm like, oh, gosh, when, how long do I have to delay this talk as a parent? I think I've got some time. Uh, but <laughs> I know I have some time. But, you know, it's considered a minefield. It's considered a conversation that if you do it in a school setting, you might get calls from parents or administrating problems. And if you do it at home, you can risk, you know, having difficult conversations or making an embarrassing situation for your kid or, or for yourself. I, I think you're totally right. I think it is a minefield. And, um, but on the other hand, um, you know, kids are inundated every day. Um, with images, messages around sexuality and around love. You know, if you're a parent, you're watching TV, you're driving your kid to school, and there's a song lyric on the, radi on the radio that's really misogynistic or, or just vile in some way. I mean, I think you have a responsibility, in fact, to um, enter those waters, even though they are difficult waters, and have those conversations. Similarly, you know, if you're... Um, if you're a at, at a school and you have kids saying that's so gay or calling each other bitches or hoes or sluts or, you know, or making, you know, hitting on girls in class or, or whatever it is in inappropriate ways, as a teacher, you got to have some repertoire for how to respond to that. Yeah, be, be, be an upstander. And this is another piece about the report that I found fascinating, which is uh, there is just a, a greater sense of widespread misogyny and sexual harassment that is happening 
that is also, again, not discussed. Yeah. And about what that cultural sort of sense looks like and then what we as parents, teachers, educators, or just good citizens can do about that. And you touched on that a little bit, making sure, you know, if things, uh, bad words or names are, are said, that it just doesn't fly. But also having an awareness that, again, another topic that we're not talking about. Yeah, no, that's, that's right. I mean, in our data, and you know, this is a survey of over 2,000 young people, 18 to 25 from around the country, and we've also done earlier surveys about this. It looks at about, like about 87% of women, um, and some men too, are reporting being sexually harassed, and that includes everything from being touched inappropriately by a stranger to being catcalled, being, being told you're hot, being so a variety of different things. But, you know, more anecdotally, for people like Peggy Orenstein, who have interviewed, you know, 100 or 200 young women, um, other folks who are doing the qualitative interview in our interviewing, almost all the girls have reported um, being sexually harassed in some way. I mean, so, and if you spend time in schools, you know, you, you see this very commonly. So you have a situation where you have 87% of young women reporting having been sexually harassed at some point. You also have 72% of boys saying they've never had a conversation with a parent about sexual harassment, how to avoid it, what it means. Um, and you have a very high percentage of girls who have never had that conversation with a parent either. You also have, I think it was 65% of boys saying they've never had that conversation in school, so about two-thirds. So you're absolutely right. We have this situation of high rates of harassment and adults who tend to be um, passive about it or really you know, not addressing it squarely. A real, a real perfect storm, and, and it's very clear when hearing those statistics. But we are an optimistic podcast here, and we do optimistic good work, and the Making Care in Common Project is literally one of my favorite uh, parts of the Harvard Ed School, and Rick, and all your, all your work over the years. Um, what can we do? I mean, there's all sorts of resources. We talked a little bit about it, but, you know, this podcast ends in a minute or two. Um, is this can this podcast act as a sort of rallying call yeah, for, it, for changing the culture and being confident in having these conversations? You know, I think um, I'm I'm delighted I'm delighted we're ending on this note. I think it's a great note to end on. The um, you know I think there's a lot of good news here. I mean, and the good news is that you know in so many places we're just not even having the talk, the conversation. It's like a really important talk for teachers just to begin to have, like. If you have kids who are using words like bitch or hoe or I hit that or using that so gay, what, what should we be saying? And, and what is going to work? And there are resources for teachers. We, we list the resources in the report for having those conversations. Um, we have a lot of room to improve in, in terms of sex ed. And there are places around the country that do wonderful sex education. So you know, we need to learn from those, um, from those programs and, um, and learn from a lot of nonprofits out there who are providing information about, you know, that have good sex ed curriculum and have lots of strategies for folks. And, you know, similarly with parents, I mean, and with this conversation about love, you know, there are basic conversations we're just not having, like how do you know when you're in love? Um, how does love change over the course of the lifespan? These are wonderful conversations to have with young people. And, and you know, my experience is that young people really want to talk about this, and the parents and educators can learn a lot from having these conversations. So that's the very hopeful thing that you know some of this I think is going to end up being very gratifying for people. Much needed research. Uh, it's called the talk. 
how adults can promote young people's healthy relationships and prevent misogyny and sexual harassment. You're listening to HGSC's Rick Weisberg. Thank you so much for being on the EdCast. Thank you. It's, a, it's always a pleasure mcc.gse.harvard.edu for resources and more on this report. This has been Matt Weber. Thank you kindly for listening.